Welcome everyone to the Mega Pickles. I'm here with my dear friend, Canon Explorer of Light, Bruce Dorn. I'm Chris Dickinson. Hey, today, Bruce, I screwed up. Did you? What'd you do, Chris? Did you screw up today or recently? Or is this an artifact from your deep and and dark past? Well, it is from the deep, dark past, but... I always find that really being transparent with our audience and sharing our screw-ups with, uh, with the folks out there, make them realize that we are human, that we do mess up, and, and it's good to share those. We will protect the names of the innocents, of course, and uh, you want to start us off, Bruce, with a, with a tale of screw-ups? Oh gosh, because um, I have so many, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll keep it. In, I'll, I'll keep it in the, the uh, Western realm. Um, I, I had an assignment uh, uh, to do a, a TV commercial for Minute Maid Soda, and it was uh, it's a Coca Cola brand, and they had a series of uh, spots they came to me for that were conceptually driven. They were really fun. Um, one, I had to make a railroad train fly, uh, had to, uh, and another one, it was, uh, uh, a ranch scene. It was, uh, actually, you know, the cowboy out on the cattle drive and he, he gets parched and, and it was that, that thing they like to do every now and then where someone's watching a movie or a TV show and the character steps out of the screen. So, you know, this, this girl's watching a Western and the cowboy, uh, sort of breaks the third wall reacts to the the girl drinking her delicious minute made orange soda uh you know okay. in, in, in the frosty glass and steps out of the screen and has a drink and then goes back to the cattle drive so that meant we had to organize a cattle drive and uh that was the first thing that popped into my head was we need cows and so there is a ranch just north of la up in the magic mountain area it's not the big tejon ranch i don't think it's another smaller one but it's a it's a substantial sized ranch north of Simi Valley and in the uh, Valencia area. So I, I got a hold of those guys and I said, yeah, we can bring a 500 head down for you and we'll, we'll run them back and forth. It was, it was going to be a, you know, a cattle drive slash stampede. And, and we worked out a deal that was so much per cow per run for weight loss. And I was going, these guys have been around, you know, this is not their first rodeo, so to speak, because they know they're in the studio zone and they're the guys to get called whenever there's a Western to be done and within the studio zone. So yeah, I, I go, okay, we're going to get it here. It's all good. But, uh, we got out there to the location, crack of dawn. I had, well, a casting for a Hollywood male uh, to play a legit cowboy was hilarious because every actor will tell you that they can do anything that you ask them about. You know, every actor is a professional sword fighter, uh, mixed martial artist, ballerina, uh, Zen aerobic hang glider, they can do it all. So in the initial casting, no small I'm looking, roles. Yeah, there, there's yeah, and, and never say no to a casting director. So in, in the initial casting, you know, every single guy that came in uh, was uh, for sure uh, an old hand and and just awesome with a with a horse and a rope. I was immediately suspicious, so I set up a casting a callback at uh, the. Uh, stables there at Griffith Park. You know, there's some equestrian uh, paths through there. 
So I get him out there and boy, that separated the boys from the Cowboys for sure. It was, it was pretty hilarious watching some of these guys, uh, loop one leg over the saddle horn and sit side saddle to address the camera. I made him do the lines sitting on horseback <laughs> and watching them be as terrified of horses as I am, you know, uh, quickly, uh, cut down the, the, the number of people that we would have to choose from. Anyway, got the guy cast, uh, got all the costuming done arranged to be on location on a Wednesday morning at oh dark 30 and we get out there and we're parking all the trucks and getting the cameras out and I'm looking around concernedly because I'm not seeing any cows I don't see a cow or a cowboy anywhere and we're getting organized and we're feeding the crew and passing out the breakfast burritos and pretty soon here comes here comes 500 head of cattle being pushed up out of the bottom of this arroyo and had a lot of yip yipping and yaha, you know, and all that. And here come the working cowboys. And, you know, instead of the Winchester on the side of their uh, saddle, they've got a great big giant hypodermic for, you know, uh, doctoring the cattle and all the real legit working cowboys with on real legit horses. So we get everything sorted out. We're running the cows back and forth trying and of course all the steers are trying to dry hump each other in every single scene so i i mean my big problem was i couldn't get any any scenes master shots of the cattle without a lot of humping going on so there was a big battle to get that all sorted out but we we did <clears throat> got the actor saying his lines and then doing the the move in front of the green screen that needed to be done to bring him into the home of the the young girl drinking the orange soda blah 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 uh, when you're rec- when you're shooting motion picture stuff you shoot either mos or ms and ms stands for mit sound and mos sounds uh stands for mid out sound there was an old german director and they'd go well, how what is this scene and he'd go mit sound so it became ms or mos mid out sound so on the stampeding cattle because we had uh uh, you know, some bullhorns gone and we're calling action to the different cameras and all this stuff. We were recording the cattle stampeding MOS. So we didn't get any of the yip yip and then the yeehaw and the cattle, uh, you know, roaring across the, 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 the valley there. So that, that became at the end of the day, the sound man calls me over and goes, Bruce, we got everything. Uh, we need to do the wild track of the stampede and the cowboys. And the lead wrangler who, you know, was hovering nearby, uh, hovering above us on horseback, he goes, well, this would be a good opportunity for any of your crew people that like to ride to take a ride. You know, we can, we can just step off and y'all can just run back and forth and do the, the hoof beat sounds that way. And, uh, in the yip yips and all that, we'll just step out and let you guys have some fun. Everybody on the crew was, Oh yeah, I ride. Oh gosh. You know, yeah, yeah. and then Bruce, get on a horse. Come on, Bruce, get on a horse. And I'm going, no, no, I don't know where the clutch is. I don't know where the brake is. The steering wheel is vague. Uh, if, if it exists at all, no, well, they were relentless anyway, got me out there, put me on one of the horses. Everybody is already sitting in there, and a fair number of them, to their credit, actually knew how to ride. I get on this horse, and he was one of those actual real working horses that was like radio control. The, the, the act of me settling into the saddle and trying to get my feet in the stirrups made him back up, turn around, 
do all these cutting horse type tricks. And, and he kind of looks back at me like, what the hell? Because I was giving him so many mixed signals and obviously the, not just mixed signals, poor signals. And, and, and anyway, we get everybody all lined up and I'm finally getting settled into the saddle enough that I'm not driving my horse crazy. And the assistant director goes, okay, everybody set sound rolls and action. And everybody takes off. And my horse just stands there because I hadn't given him any indication to take off. So all our other horses are like 10 horse lengths ahead of us. And I go, giddy up. And he (laughs) takes off, he takes off like a bullet, you know, and, and he's, he's a winner. He's determined to make up ground on the rest of the, the horsemen. And, uh, we get down to the point where everybody's supposed to turn around and run back past the audio for take two. And they've wheeled around. They're coming back toward us, and we're going full blast into the into the oncoming uh, bunch of riders. And and my horse kind of looks back over the shoulder. Are we cool with this? We're going to just ram into him. And I go, I, I kind of did something. He slammed on the brakes and turned around, and now we led the oh. rest of the riders back. So all that's good. We we get everything. We wrap up the location. Everybody's patting me on the back for being so brave and everything. We get back and in the audio track you can hear me screaming like a schoolgirl the whole time. So <laughs> we actually we actually had to go buy stock audio because I had screwed up every single take with my girlish screams from just oh, no. being being panicked on horseback. So that that was a memorable screw up. Uh, it wasn't that it wasn't that tragic tragic but i could imagine another situation in which it wouldn't have been so easy to get the the audio corrected so that's now, one tell I've me got about f- 45 more of them. <laughs> yeah now tell me about uh the mos first um we're, yeah. we're talking about mid out sound and how did that translate to the to the commercial itself, what does that mean? How well, would yeah. I know the difference? So, so, so you shoot uh, s- scenes with sync sound, uh, and you shoot them without. And um, let's say you're doing a stunt sequence <coughs> that doesn't have any dialogue in it, and somebody has to throw somebody else down a flight of stairs. You know, there could be a lot of other ambient sound going on, like the stunt uh, coordinator, you know, calling out certain things. So. When when you can use Foley, which is post-sound effects, where I don't know if you've ever seen a Foley walker. It's the person that's in a room and the zombie is walking down the, the hallway to, to attack you. There's usually some real frail little girl in combat boots walking on a wooden platform to create the sound effect of the zombie's footsteps. Sure. sure. Uh, so, so you leave the sound out of the mix when you don't need the complexity and it's not lip sync. Basically, if you're seeing somebody talking on camera, then that's a MS scene, mid sound. If it's action, you'll tend to do the, uh, uh, audio as a sound design after the fact. So no sense having the, the, the complexity of miking everybody when it's really just wild sound. So that, that would be one of the occasions for that. Uh, there's so many, I think it's an interesting thing to talk about at some point. There's so many um, similarities between still photography and cinema, and there's just as many dissimilarities. Uh, there are things I had to unlearn in order to be a good cinematographer from being a photographer shutter speeds Ooh. don't affect it the same way and so on. But, uh, yeah, it's, it was, uh, 
was a relatively easy transition for me, other than a few teething pains in the first days where I literally didn't know the names of half of the equipment and didn't know the sort of set protocols and all that stuff. But, uh-huh. uh, but you know, I, I was able to add uh, one or two zeros to my day rate over time uh, uh, because it pays considerably well because the budgets are considerably higher. So I probably did 24 five years of my 50 year career, never touching a still camera. I went from stills to cinema and then back to a combination of both, you know, okay. so doing a little bit. Now, of how many takes did it, uh, did it, did it take you pushing those cows back and forth? Well, we, I, I think we did, uh, because it was per cow per run and it was not insubstantial for the number of them. And, you know, it's, to be honest, it's cows zoom left, cows zoom right. Basically, I think we ran them down and back a couple of times, maybe three times. Uh-huh. So, so we were done within the magic hour with with the cows, and they once again just disappeared into the sagebrush. We, you know, they, they were there, they weren't there, then they were yeah. there, and then they weren't there again. But you know how good working cowboys can just make that all look so effortless. Uh, it, it it really it was really effortless with their their great help, but. Uh, and one of the simpler things, because it was all in-camera stuff, I didn't really have to do too much post-special uh, effect work. But, yeah, it was a fun one. Yeah. Well, I can remember one. I was uh, I was on a job for a motorcycle company. And, um, yeah, it, morning job. It was an all-day shoot. Uh, and, you know, for stuff like that, one thing that I always try and do, and this, I think wedding photographers know this very well is, um, and, and I do it out on the magazine shoots too, is, is I don't put all my eggs in one basket. You know, you, I, I change up my memory cards maybe every couple hours. Uh, perhaps there's a significant segment that I shot and I want to make sure, you know, that just it's, I should say has never happened, but, uh, you know, you don't want your card to go corrupt. So I take, take out my card. I don't want to take that chance. I change it up and then put in a new one, shoot another portion or another few hours. In this particular case, I had gotten everything ready. Uh, my assistant and I were heading out the door and we got on location, got everything set up. Um, you know, the, this, this company was ready to go. They had all their people in place and I started shooting. Now I'm having the assistant run the computer and primarily what I'm going to have her do is dump my cards. Um, you're, you're in charge mm-hmm. of dumping the cards and then bring me back the cards and we're just going to recycle throughout the day like that. And uh, for whatever reason, you know, hey, well, the title of this episode is I screwed up. <laughs> I screwed up. I I didn't take out my card. I kept it in for oh probably half a day. And so I, I think we started shooting at, I want to say, 9, 9.30 in the morning. And by noon, when everybody was winding down, getting ready to get some lunch and things like that, there was a little lull, a little break in the day. And I told my assistant, um, you know, hey, I'm going to give you the card. Go dump it. I'm going to put a new one. I'll continue to shoot. And you know, half of the crew is off eating. I put in a new card and proceed to keep shooting. Then maybe 15 minutes later, my assistant came up 
behind me and she whispers in my ear and she says, the card is corrupt. Oh, geez. Uh, it, have you ever uh, have you ever like half vomited? You know, and the vomit comes. Yeah, up I just I just peed a little when you said that. Uh, yeah. I, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's a yeah. nightmare so, scenario. I uh, I heard what she said. I continued to shoot, kept my composure, and and I turned around and I told her. I said, you know, take it back, try it one more time. Let me know what happens. So now it now I'm stewing on it. Now I oh, it's starting to sink in really really deep and. She came back up another five minutes later, and she said, no, the card is still corrupt. Well, a couple of things go through your mind at that point. Number one, I I am responsible for this. I am responsible for communicating this to uh, the creative director that's on set with me, and I have to stop and go talk to them. And that's not something you, you really don't want to face that, but... It is you, you're freelance, you're self-employed. There's, there's no corporate bureaucracy to hide behind. You know, it, mm-hmm. You're responsible for, uh, for the good and the bad of what you do. And, yeah. and so I stopped. I went over and I told him, I said, there, there is a potential that the morning session is gone. I said, the card is corrupt. Um, yeah, I... Again, I do have a strong technical background, so I, there was a high likelihood that I could recover the images. Mm-hmm. And you know, you, you saw you saw the dissatisfaction on his face immediately. It, mm-hmm. It's not something that that you can hide. And mm-hmm. um, he said, "All right, well, do your best. Continue to shoot, and you know, maybe you should switch cards out more often." Oh, yeah. yeah, you know. Yeah, ouch. <laughs> you know that kick in the groin? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I, so I, I, I hate it when they're accurate in their criticism. <laughs> yeah, it really sucks. So I uh, uh, I finished the shoot. The damage I felt was already done. Um, I have to go home now, and now it's still on me that uh, I said that I could potentially recover these, so it's on me, and I did. I was able to recover those, and I got them oh, to wow. them. Lucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I was able to recover every single image, and I sent them on to him. I haven't worked for that company since. Whether yeah. that's, I don't yeah. know that that's yeah, correlated, but uh, that was that was one of my biggest screw ups, and it's one of those reminders to me, Bruce, that. Um, we are responsible, you know, as a freelance photographer, I, I am responsible for all of these things, but you know, I'm responsible for my actions too. And that is, um, on the last, heck, just this last job that I went on for the magazine, you know, I had my assistant with me and, and I showed her, you know, look, I'm going to take my card out. I'm going to put it in a new one. We're done with this one little section right here. I can't afford for this to ever happen again. You know, some things are out of your control, like like that. A card can go corrupt on you, and and it is something that wouldn't necessarily be in your control. But you can take the steps to mitigate those risks. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the cameras now dual recording. You have two cards yep. in it. So you can have one backing up the other card. Uh, that's, that's, you know, I, because I come from the film era, I, it, where you, you shot a roll of film and you had to bring it back from Egypt or Borneo or wherever you were and protect it with your life because there was no duplicating. There was no backing it up. It was still light sensitive. It was in a can. It was susceptible to heat. Uh, X rays when they came in, uh, X raying your carry on stuff. Uh, actually fogged film. There were a million ways for things to go horribly wrong. And you just had to be extremely uh, conscientious. And, you know, job one is whatever you do, get to the finish line with it, right? You, you got to have the stuff when you get home. So uh, I, I have, I, I confess to uh, not uh, being wise enough to do a double card and everything. Uh, you know, and I, I, I don't advise that approach. It's just turns out that I, have haven't adopted that and probably should have, but I've dodged the bullet for this long. I don't know. Maybe, I'll, maybe I'll change my ways, but yeah. So uh, <laughs> I, I was thinking about other, other things uh, that maybe we're not job killers or relationship killers, but, but pretty damn funny goof ups. Um, uh, way back in, in the, in it, my, many of my stories start with way back in the day, but I was shooting, <laughs> uh, news, uh, for, uh, you know, the wire services, uh, AP, UPI, I did a little tiny bit of work for those guys as a stringer and then time life. And, uh, I, I was, uh, a, a stringer for Time Life in the Midwest when People Magazine first came out. And it was kind of a small format version of Life Magazine, which most listeners are probably don't have any frame of reference for what Life was, but it was a big photojournalism, large format magazine. And oh, People yes. was supposed to be a economical, smaller format thing. And I ended up doing some really interesting stories for them. And I believe it was for them that I was asked to uh, come up with a shot of a society wedding for a senator's daughter. It was, you know, it was a bit of social news that this uh, longtime <laughs> senior uh, senator, his daughter, was uh, about to get married, and and they wanted a shot from from the wedding. And you know, I, I not a wedding photographer by any stretch, news guy. I and I had. I think I decided to pull out my Hasselblad. So I had the great big negative just because it was a wedding and you, everybody always shot weddings with two and a quarter, large medium format stuff. Uh, but I had one and, you know, I figured I could get the shot in 12 pictures, 12 pictures per roll. And I had a strobe. I had a Honeywell Strobinar, which you do a little Google research. You might find one of these things. It looks like an old, uh, World War II German potato masher uh, type hand grenade. And it was, you know, a flash head with a, a big handle and, and a 510 volt battery that you hung from your belt or stuck in your gadget bag. So anyway, I was armed to the teeth. I was going to get, I just went to the wedding going well, uh, rather than trying to get a picture of them outside the church, I'll just see if I can get in there and get a picture of the ceremony. So being the sneaky little weasel that I was, I showed up and, and I, you know, the ceremony's going on and I sneak in the doors at the back of the church where the processional will eventually emerge. I sneak in there and I'm quiet and then I sneak up that a little further and I'm quiet and people are starting to register that I'm there a little bit, you know, and, uh, I'm, I'm 
seeing that it's coming toward, you know, the vows and the first kiss and they're going to be coming down the aisle. So I go, I better get a shot or two here. And so I rig my strobe so it'll bounce up off the ceiling and be flattering. And I'm getting ready to take a shot and, and I take one and I'm looking around for the wedding photographer and there was no wedding photographer. I learned later that they only did formals. They didn't have anybody shooting the ceremony at all. So everybody just assumed I was a hired photographer, but, uh, shooting, waiting uh, for the key moment. When I smelled this acrid smoke, kind of a smell, <laughs> and I, I was going, "What the what the heck?" And it, well, what the heck was that the 510 volt battery had shorted out and had set my canvas gadget bag on fire, and the fire was spreading rapidly to my trousers. No. Oh yeah. So, uh, I think again, I squealed like a, uh, uh, you know, grade school boy and, uh, ran down the aisle tearing my pants off, you know, uh, because they were now fully engaged. Oh, no. Yeah. So the, 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 what made the newspaper, the local newspaper was not the story of the wedding. It was a story of the, who was that idiot, uh, with, with the flaming pants, you know, uh, that, 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 that ran out of the wedding. So yeah, that was, that was one that made me a never want to shoot a wedding and b never want to show my face in public again. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's a dangerous career we're in, Chris. You know, oh, it is, it's especially just when you danger. Especially when you try and play God. I was oh, yeah. uh, I was on a shoot. Uh, it, it was it was an annual give back that I always did. It was called Hell Portrait Utah, and. Um, a lot of the folks that we photographed, uh, you know, they were homeless or refugees, things like that. And and some of them didn't speak any English, and so there was interpreters there, but there wasn't an interpreter for everybody. You know, they, they kind of float around. And, and I was with this one family where uh, mother, three children, and the youngest daughter, probably four, maybe five years old, and I'm trying to get, uh, there's a, I'm using a chair to pose everybody around and I'm, I'm picking up the little girl and I'm trying to get her to stand and she keeps sitting back down and, and, I, you know, I go through a couple up and downs and I'm like, oh, okay, well, right about that time, the interpreter came over and she said, the girl is paralyzed. I'm like, oh, oh. dang it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. as soon as I as soon as I put her down, then the whole family put their thumbs up, and I took oh, the picture. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that goodness. was it. That was one of those like, yeah. oh man, dang it. Yeah. Oh. yeah. That's where you want to time travel. You want to, uh, you want to yeah. go back mm-hmm. just, just a few minutes. Just a few minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's 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 so easy to accidentally, you know exhibit a behavior that's totally inappropriate or, or just, just not have the filter and, and say that thing rather than just thinking it, (laughs) you know, you know, yeah. 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 Those are always, uh, (laughs) I think we could build another episode just off of being unfiltered. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, uh, because we're getting close to the end. I'll tell a shorty where my mouth got me in trouble. I was, uh, (laughs) one of my clients was, uh, uh, a big, uh, venture capital 
uh, group or private private equity group, big private equity group. And I shot all the principals and they would fly me around the country to go do an executive portrait of this company or that company or show up at the, the annual meetings and and document the, the various speeches and so on. But it was primarily about doing executive portraiture and a lot of that on location. So they gave me a call. New uh, outfit uh, down, I think it was in Houston, uh, oil exploration. They were big in, in oil, and they had this uh, just uh, uh, acquired this company that uh, was in the, in the business of finding sweet crude out there all around the world. And there was, uh, they had just moved into this uh, high rise in uh, Houston, and I was to go down there and shoot the CFO and the CEO. And at this time, I was affecting the men in black kind of look where I had black dress slacks, black comfortable shoes, black turtleneck, you know, kind of kind of looked like Archer from the uh, animated series Archer. I always looked like totally blacked out ninja photographer. And uh, as you know, I never go anywhere without my extraordinarily heavy Matthews stands and uh, <laughs> I, I, because I was just on a quick in and out, I had a, um, Pelican case. It was actually a, a Remington rifle case that was uh, made by the Pelican company. It had wheels on it and a handle. So I had my tripod and my light stand in there. And then I had a backpack on nice tactical looking backpack. And I, I, I roll up to the location this out in the middle of Texas nowhere, uh, this big high rise. And it was, I, I believe it was the Halliburton tower. And I think the Blackwater, you know, uh, uh, mercenary oh, special ops guys were out of that same place. Anyway, I roll up, park my rental car, walk into the lobby. There's a security guy there at a kiosk between the elevators. I walk right up to him and I say, I'm here to shoot a guy on the 32nd floor. And that ended, that, that did not turn out well. Yeah, that did not turn out well. I, I remember that there were certain orifices that were checked and, uh, uh, getting tackled, you know, is not as fun as it sounds. You know, you see the photographers getting tackled on the sidelines of the NFL games. Uh, the security guys do that too. I was shocked to learn, but yeah, uh, it, it's prudent to take a couple of seconds to think about what you're going to say before you say it. Absolutely. I never is. do that. Uh, I never do that. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I've I find myself um debating should I use photograph here or should I use shoot? You know, because if I say yeah, I'm going out yeah. to shoot some dogs, that doesn't yeah. sound good either. You're going out yeah, to shoot yeah. some horses. No, 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 yeah. no, no. I'm going out to Joe always reminds me, you're going out to photograph horses, Chris. You're not going out to yeah. shoot horses. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Bruce, yeah. yeah. Couple minutes left. My friend, we screwed up. <laughs> Take us out. Take us out. Well, it's it's okay to make mistakes. The trick is to not make the same mistake twice. Uh, except on technique, if you make the same mistake enough times, it turns from technique into style. So, you know, you, you, you can screw up your exposures. Uh, as long as you do it consistently, that becomes your style. Now, whether anybody wants that style is another question. But uh, uh, on general general commentary, though, when you make a mistake, try to learn from it. Try not to make that same mistake twice, no matter how hilarious it might be. They always end for good anecdotes, and we get to laugh about them, and we're still here, and that's a good thing. You guys, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, myself, Bruce, remember, we are the Mega Pickles. 
We're on Instagram at the underscore megapickles. We're on anchor.fm forward slash the dash megapickles. And we would love to hear from you guys. So make sure you leave us a voicemail on Anchor and send us a comment or a direct message on Instagram. With that, Bruce, love you, my friend. Always a pleasure. Love you and not that fake internet love, the real kind. (laughs) We'll see you next time. Okay, buddy. Ciao.